if I look at pro leadership, if I really honestly think about it, it came out of a yellow legal pad that I came in the kept in the top drawer of my desk for 25 years. And every time I learned a lesson, I took out that legal pad and I wrote it down. And in order to be on the legal pad, I had to be able to write the lesson in one sentence of 12 words or less. And the funny thing is when I, when I finished Cornerstone, there were 37 lessons on that legal pad, 37 lines. And it was distilled down to 24 chapters in this book, but I didn't learn these because I was a great guy or I made good decisions. Most of those lessons were learned because I did things, didn't do things right. This is Better Wealth with Caleb Williams. Andy, welcome finally to the Better Wealth Show. Oh, finally. Thank you, Caleb. It's a pleasure to be with you. I always enjoy my time with you. So this is this is a very special episode for me because you're sitting in your office and about three years ago, I make the drive up to Minneapolis. Yes. Spend two hours with you. And those two hours instilled in me a confidence and and certainty and courage and bravery that has taken me to where I am now. And you've you've been my coach. You've been uh, a coaching facilitator. You've been a one on one coach. You've been a great friend. You've been at our headquarters slash house in in Denver. Love it. You've, yeah. seen, you've seen me literally go from just starting what was Better Wealth Solutions in the basement of a Papa John's. Papa John's office yeah. to, to now having clients in all 50 states. Yeah. And where we met was in Minneapolis. I was going to a Christian event for students. And we I was a senior at the time. I was knowing that I was going to go through the process of starting Better Wealth. I was I was still working at the bank. Uh -huh. And I very much had the weight of like, what should I do for the future on my heart? And we went to the senior dinner. Or it was actually a senior breakfast. And uh -huh. I I kind of was looking for people to sit next to. And and quite frankly, I just kind of gave up because I got in a little bit late. And so I this is classic college. I go to the front of the room and sit down next to you. No, no clue who you are. Um, our table wasn't even filled, which is kind of ironic looking back. And we we talk a little bit. I find out that you're you were in the finance, you were really humble at the time, but you're into finance. I'm like, oh, this is really neat. And then when they started the breakfast, they asked you to come up, the guy that helped found the breakfast, and, and share your quick testimony. And I was like, I don't want to over-spiritualize this, but I, I'm like, I sat to the right next to the person that could literally help me be where I am today. And yeah. so I know I want some of that story to come through because it's so powerful. Um, and I just want to plant this is you – founded Cornerstone as a private wealth management business in 1993. And when you left Cornerstone in 2017, the firm grew from over $15 billion of assets under management, $15 billion of assets under management. And when you founded it, uh, it's not like you guys had a ton of money. $12 and 50 cents. <laughs> and so funny, yeah. you're, you're the kind of guy that has done it, 
has bent had offices in New York, has has had clients, institutional clients all around um, at least the country. I'm not sure world. And I'm telling you, man, we have a leadership crisis on our hands and you have now pivoted going fully into leadership coaching. You have a phenomenal book that I want every single one of my audience to go out and get. And you're just getting started as it relates to the impact that you're going to have in the world. So with that, Andy, thank you for being a great friend. Thank you for allowing me to take two hours of your time when I was first getting started. Thank you for coaching. Thank you for just being a phenomenal um, human being and, and really being a backer, a backer of better wealth and seeing us grow. Mm, you're welcome. And it's been, it's been really fun for me, Caleb, to be on this journey with you to to sit in the bleachers and watch you. And um, the exciting thing is, is I think your wheels have just come off the ground. I think you're going to just gain altitude from here. So just keep doing what you're doing, man. And uh, you'll, uh, you'll do well. You're touching a lot of people and that's, that's great. You know, and as far as me giving you two hours of my time, if I added up the amount of people that gave me two hours of their time, uh, we wouldn't have time to talk about it. So just paying it forward. And um, I can just echo that it's great to have you in my life because you keep me, you keep me forever young. Challenge me. And uh, I have a passion for next generation leaders and that's what I want to be about. So I'm glad to be here today. Thanks for the invitation. So what I, what I want to say is your book is called pro leadership. And when this is coming out, this is going to be, you can go out to Amazon, Barnes and Noble, your favorite bookstore and go get a copy. So yeah, if you don't, if you don't listen to this whole podcast, go and do that um, <laughs> because the book is chock full of amazing, amazing principles. And it's really neat as re- going through this and reviewing, it's like, oh, this is like, you actually told me this story and oh, like yeah. this is something I've learned from, from you. I also want to say this. Minneapolis um, is about five hours to where I grew up as a student and grew up. And you were shocked that I even made the drive. And I, I drove five hours to see you for, for two hours. And it was a no brainer because I did research on you. I heard your, your story. And I was like, if I want to get to where I want to go in, in business, I need to surround myself with people that have done it and that share the same values and all, all of that. And so the cool thing about a podcast is we are going to capture all, I'm not going to say all, but we're going to capture some key nuggets of wisdom. And the crazy yeah. thing about 2021 is we live in a world where you can, you can literally learn beside people that have done it. And, and the difference between being smart and being wise is being, being smart is learning for yourself. Being wise is learning from other people's successes and failures. And I know that you've uh, had your fair share of failures along with successes. And that's, that's what makes wisdom. And so with that, Andy, my hope is, can we share, can we, we could go into a little bit of your, your backstory? How did sure, you build sure. Cornerstone? Why leadership is so important? And, and that could be a whole hour. And so we're going to try to just try to make it a, five minutes or less. And then what I want to do is I've highlighted some key parts of your book and it's impossible to go through your whole book on this episode. But my hope is that this can be so valuable that people go, I need to get your book and I need to start following your journey because you're just getting started as it relates to sharing um, what it means to be a pro leader and um, and all all the good things in your book and 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 all that you have to offer. Yeah, thanks, Caleb. So um, 
I was born an entrepreneur. I started with a Kool-Aid stand. We used to, uh, I lived on the chain of lakes in Minneapolis, as you know. And, and in the summertime, they used to close off one of the lakes for four hours every Sunday so people could ride their bikes around it. And I very quickly realized that that was a thriving market for a Kool-Aid stand. And, and uh, I wasn't the only kid that did it, but the difference was instead of one flavor of Kool-Aid, I had three and then I would have donuts as well. So eight years old, I'm, I'm uh, making 20 bucks a week from my Sunday Kool-Aid stand after expenses, which was a fortune back then, taught me that I wanted to, uh, I had entrepreneurial DNA. So when I got out of college and I had graduated uh, with a degree in uh, agricultural economics uh, with a concentration in commodities trading and history, I was going to go to the Chicago Board of Trade, or I planned to go to the Chicago Board of Trade to trade futures. But my dad said, you know, you haven't learned anything in college that will help you down there. And it's a cold and cruel environment. So why don't you go sell something on a straight commission for a year and learn what makes the world go around? So he actually helped me get a job selling IBM computers. So I started out as an IBM salesperson in the first year that they took all their computer sales out of corporate and put them in five value-added resellers. I worked for one of those and was an institutional sales guy. In my first three months on the job, I took a thousand business cards, went into a thousand businesses and handed them out. I got rejected by 90% of those, 900 of those people told me never to came, come back, but the hundred of the hundred, uh, they made me the top salesman in the branch for the next six months. And that led me to get a call from a friend of mine who said um, that he was familiar with a asset management firm where the CEO was looking for a young guy to teach the business to. That led to an interview. Um, and you might ask, why didn't you go to the Chicago Board of Trade? I didn't because I had six fraternity brothers who all went to the Chicago Board of Trade. And in the year that I sold computers, five of those six got chewed up and spit out. And the one that was successful was opposite my personality. So I realized um, that I should skip that. So onward to the asset management world where I ended up getting hired by uh, one of the biggest asset management firms in the country and, and literally carried the briefcase of the CEO for the next seven years. I learned what I wanted to be and what I didn't wanna be. And um, the time came where uh, I thought I'd, I wanted to have my own thing. So went out with another individual and we founded Cornerstone Capital Management, started as a private wealth management firm, uh, grew it and ultimately uh, it evolved into an institutional management firm. And when, uh, when I walked away on December 31st of 2016, uh, we were managing just under, just under $17 billion at the wow. time. But it was not all me. <laughs> In fact, the best story that I can tell you is I was um, at our New York office and I was on the corner of 
the corner of, uh, I think it's about 51st and uh, 5th Avenue, right close to St. Patrick's Cathedral. And I ran into an investment banker there that I knew from high school and I hadn't seen. And he looked at me and he said, Andy, what are you doing here? He said, well, I, ha I said, well, I have an office here. And um, I'm, we, uh, my company has an office in New York and we're, I'm here. He said, oh really, what company is that? And I told him the name of the company and he got a smile on his face. He said, well, I just met there today with, um, and he stated the man's name and he said, he's the head of their international um, group. And um, he looked at me and he said, but you probably wouldn't have any connection to him. I'm sure he's much more senior than you are. And uh, I said, well, as a matter of fact, I see him every day. I said, he goes, well, why would you see him? I said, well, he reports to me. And the guy gets a smile on his face and he says, uh, just a, with a quizzical look, he says, what do you do there? I said, well, I'm the CEO. And he, even more quizzical look, he goes, how could you get a job like that? I said, well, I, I honestly don't know, but I think it's because I was there first. Right, right. <laughs> I think that's the position I'm in. And I think that's yeah. going to grow more and more apparent is like, yeah. oh, the reason, the reason I have the position I have is I was the first person. That's, that's yeah, it. I, I would not qualify for this job today, but I'm here. So my, my application wouldn't even make the desk, but you know, yeah. it, the, the perks of, of being the, <laughs> having the first $12. So yeah. amazing. Uh, and, and I, and again, when I, when I heard your story and there's a lot more there, there's a lot, there's a lot of reasons why you left, why you started. Um, all, all these, all these things that I think is, is so, uh, impactful and, and yet it's, it's really cool to, to have you go back to your roots. And when, when I was sitting, uh, with you for the first time, you, you very much stress the importance of leadership. Mm -hmm. so, so Andy, why, why leadership? Because in, in a world right now, it seems like there's so many le leadership gurus. There's people, you know, yeah. just cranking out books and there's, there's people that, are making courses and coaching programs and it's like why did you feel the need to write another leadership book and why did you feel the need to spend the rest of your life focusing on something that in in a way people kind of roll their eyes at because it's like if i have to go to another leadership conference someone's gonna end up dead yeah i i get that because you know what i know how you feel because i felt the same way but at the end of the day I mean, my overall governing value is that without leadership, nothing happens. You know, um, wise, caring, balanced servant leaders are good leaders and good leaders produce good results. And the truth of it is, is I got to where I was not because I was a great guy, but because a lot of good people helped me along the way. And so, yes, there are a lot of people writing on leadership. There's, there's a book a day that comes out on leadership. There's a podcast a day on leadership. There's, there's a lot. And, and I just have a unique experience. And I think everybody, leadership is a tailor-made suit. Yeah. And so, you know, my passion is coaching leaders and I don't believe you can put any leader into a cookie cutter. I think everybody's different. Yep. 
And you have got to tailor make that suit to fit the leader. And I think I've got a personality that can do that because people did that with me. That's right. Nobody forced me. They say that the best uh, golf instructor is the one who doesn't try to teach you their swing, but can take your swing and help you bring it to the point where you can get the most out of it. And so that's the philosophy of my leadership, leadership development. And I just, I, I asked you that question because I 100% agree. And mm -hmm. in a world where everyone's talking about money, it's like, it makes me cringe because yes, people, there's noise going on. Yeah. But, but is it actually penetrating people's hearts? Yeah. And I think it's sad because in a world where leadership is talked about so much, where are our leaders? Yeah. And, and. And then in working with you, I know it's very important that it's like, if you're not leading yourself, you're not leading your family, you're not leading your, your community and your churches. And like, you don't know the true definition of leadership and you may know the definition of leadership, but you're not living it. And, and I think that's like, for you, you've not only helped me with business, but I think you've helped me understand that leadership's not just this like check mark that you're like, okay, I, I should get good leadership because that's that's how profits work. It's like, no, this is everything to do with your life. Yeah. And and so when you say that leadership matters and nothing can happen without good leadership, like I I, I want to echo that. And so this is a this is a better wealth podcast. And I'm telling you, what you're gonna learn through this book and what you're gonna learn through this podcast is the foundation of intentional living, which is this is the metric of better wealth. Like we want to do everything to unlock what that means to live intentionally. And Andy, most people don't even know what that is. No, I think it's like, it's like my friend, Johnny Parker says, uh, we have a front stage and we have a backstage and we live our lives on our front stage. And then oftentimes we ignore the backstage. And because we do that, it's such a mess back there that eventually the front stage comes apart. And so you've, you've sat in, this is my coaching studio. You've sat behind me and I, I've had numerous people sitting in this, in the chair that you sat in. And we talk about that. And we always, every conversation with a leader starts on the front stage, but it ultimately gets to the backstage. It gets, it's my, my terminology is you've got to excavate before you elevate. And I think where leadership development breaks down is people are unwilling right. to look at themselves in the mirror. And, and rightly so, because the world, the world will judge you, the world will shame you. And so you have to self-protect. And that's why I promote, that's why I believe coaching is so important. You've got to have someone who you can sit with and who can reflect you without judgment, without shame, and where you can become the best person that you were created to be. And I think that the process of that can be really messy. Yeah. And so you have to have somebody who's willing to um, listen to you and reflect you. And you know, you know, all of the things that have been worked on in neuroscience now and, and, um, you know, a wonderful book that you and I have talked about is your body keeps the score and you just understand, you start to understand those things. And so a right brain needs a right brain to, to reflect it, to help it process. And that's what, 
that's really all that coaching is. And the thing I love about it is that I'm not concerned about my own balance sheet anymore. I'm, I'm helping somebody else develop their life. And I know we don't even need to talk about the balance sheet because it will take care of itself if they take care of that self-leadership. Well, I think one of the most inspiring things that you did for me is you actually opened up your governing. Like you have documents that, that remind you what's important, who you are, which is, is so important because yeah. people, people don't know who they are, Andy. And then it's like, what are you going to focus on? Write down your goals. You know, you had me, you got me into the Enneagram and other things and all, there's not like a one, one size fits all. It's like knowing thyself, getting really clear on where you want to go and living a life of intentionality. And I don't want to steal your thunder, but you review that on a weekly basis. I do. And I have for uh, over 20 years now, and it has hardly changed. It's like, um, it's a form of a personal constitution. I just, it, it is, it is the track that I run on. It's who I am. And I try to, one of the things that I, I encourage all of my, everyone, not just my clients to do is to, to have that, to develop, you've got to know who you are and you've got to know what your why is. And, and I'm so grateful for Simon Sinek in, in um, getting us all to talk about that again, because that is so important that yeah. we do that. Real quick, can you go through what that is? Because I, I, I think my listenership, the Better Wealth community can learn a ton from that. And so what is that, that governing documents that you review on a weekly basis? And what does that consist of from a, from a big picture? It is... Um, uh, well, it started... It actually started... Um, 20 some years ago when I went to a, um, a uh, Franklin Covey, mm. I read seven habits of highly affected people, uh, Stephen Covey. And then I went to a seminar. It was a two day seminar and they took us through life planning. I can't even remember. It was so impactful, but it resulted in a document that I have now that has been refined that I literally, it's called my refocus document. And it starts out with who I am. And I have, I have a number of things written on there. It, I review what my primary identity is, what my secondary identity, then I have, um, I have a general aim uh, for my life. Um, that's that I'm gonna live for an audience of one. I have my aspirations written down. I have my why, my mission, my priorities. Then, um, then I have my main area of emphasis or focus. And then I go into governing values. And I have, I have six governing values that are, excuse me, seven governing values. Um, they are... Uh, faithfulness, generosity, leadership, excellence, simplicity, health, and freedom. And then I have, um, then I look at my roles and I, I really have, have four roles in my life. I'm a husband, a father, um, head coach, managing partner of Andrew Wyatt Leadership. And, and my fourth one is that I'm, uh, I'm an ambassador for Jesus Christ. And then I have a sort of a lifetime agreement, lifetime contract I've written out for myself 
that just serves no other purpose but to help me remember what I'm committed to, what my agreement is. And then I then I've written out a, then I have a five year vision and a one year plan, and I review that every every week. And uh, the governing values and and roles and aims and those kind of things really haven't changed for twenty years. And so where that, why that is so helpful and my, and then coming to my why, which was the piece, the piece that um, was added like five years ago, what it helped, the reason it helps me is because one of my mentors said years ago, he said, Andy, if you're going to be successful, you're going to need to say no 90% of the time. And unless you have something that helps you say no, you're going to be spread too thin. You're going to be ineffective. And so these are the tools that help me say no, because I know who I am. I know what my why is. And not everything that comes at me in life fits that. In fact, most things don't. There's, there's so much there. Every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. That's right. Vice versa, saying no means you're saying yes to something. And I, if I can just take my listeners back to, you know, me being 20, turning 21, and you sharing with me what you just went through, it was, it was one of those things that I was like, oh my goodness, I am sitting with somebody who's literally built something that I'm wanting to build hmm. and is sharing with me all the the do's and do nots and not just saying here's some principles let me copy it on a whiteboard it's like this is actually this is the most intimate thing other than your 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 faith your relationship with your wife and your family it's like it was it was very very impactful and that's why i asked you to open that up because i know a lot of gurus that would never open up their personal stuff and, and so thank you for that. Um, your book is made up of three sections. Mm-hmm. It's establishing credibility. It's building your following and leading with impact. Yeah. And before we get into those three things, mm-hmm. I want to know why <laughs> the 24th chapter is, is what I think is probably the, the, the thing that I've learned most from you. And, and I'm <laughs> glad you talk about priorities and saying no, because you set this thing up. You talk about when the win today number one why in the world is that the 24th chapter (laughs) uh and and can you walk through that before we get into the overview because i think obviously all the chapters are great but when you helped me understand in today that for me andy has been one of the things that has helped me understand how to say no more which i'm still very bad at but i've gotten better but it's helped me understand that there's a lot of things that are urgent. There's a lot of things that I want to say yes to. There's a lot of things I want to do, but it has been the exercise that I've used to be able to refocus. I don't want to steal your thunder. So with that, talk, talk through that principle and, and then justify why it's at the end of the book. (laughs) Well, so the biggest thing that you, the tyranny of the urgent, so the urgent every day overcomes the important 80% of the time. And especially for leaders, the reason when today is the last chapter is because 
first of all, it's in the section of um, leading with impact. It's the last chapter because most people will remember the last thing they read. That's right. And they will apply the last thing that they read. And I would say if you apply nothing else, if you if you'd apply nothing else in the book, in the first section, um, establishing your credibility, know who you are and know your why. In the second section, um, building your following, understand the role of providence. You can read my personal story in chapter 14. And then, and then communication, communication, communication. 85% of our leadership problems would go away, I believe, if we could communicate well. And then, and then in leading with impact, um, win the day, you know, just manage yourself and win the day. I think, I, you know, leadership books are only as good as the amount of application that you right. take away from them. Can so, you can you break down what the that win stands for and and if it was the last thing that people read what they would take away from that? What's important now? When? What's important now? So get yourself into the mindset where you are constantly asking yourself what's important. Yep. And then if you can ask yourself that, you can ask yourself is this important now? Is what I'm working on important now? got to cut we have we've got to ruthlessly eliminate distraction from our life that's that 100 the the book the one thing has made its whole best-selling book based off of the concept of what is the one thing that if such by doing makes everything easier irrelevant um because it's so powerful what i love about what you're you're doing is it being at the end of the book uh-huh it's impossible to answer that question. What's important now if you don't know yourself? Yeah, that's right. And you're not commun like so. So I love that it's at the end of the book. But the reason why I'm the reason why I'm leading with this interview as we dive in is I want that to have context because you would open up every coaching call. You'd open up, you know, when you help me really decide what we should be focused on. After you had the context of certain things you would ask me that simple question what's important now and i would yeah. be like what's important now and it would help me it was that exercise that would be okay i want to do 10 things but i won't i won't do any of them well if i try to do 10 things so yeah. where where caleb's at where we're we're at as a company what's the most important thing that i need to be focused on what, like what's important now if you're a fam if you're a husband or 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 a wife or if you're re running a business or if you're a student or if you're you know regardless of who you are this yeah, yeah. question about what's important now relates to how you invest your money how you spend your time the people that you spend time with it's like it's incredibly um valuable if you understand the context of of how you wrote write about it and, and how you communicate it and so again anything else that you want to talk about that before we dive into the, the three parts of your book i'll only tell you that i think about it every day i have a i have a list on evernote mine my, my i used it used to be uh win today is what it was called i retitled it uh, the middle of last year i went 
win the week. I decided that one day wasn't was too short of a period. So I look at win the week. I once a month I sit down and go, what do I have to do to win the month? And then that's it. Then I apply. So let's talk about establishing credibility. And the two things that I highlighted is the, your, the entrepreneur DNA. I think this is a really incre- uh, valuable lesson that we go through. And then what's your why? And so what I, what I want you to do is I'm, I'm teeing up um, establishing your credibility. It's part one of the book. Talk about your favorite parts of that book and, and how it can benefit us as leaders. Well, you're asking me to talk about my favorite children, and I don't have <laughs> – I don't have any, but establishing credibility, that's the excavation portion of leadership development. And, and um, as you and I have talked about, when you, when you begin this process, it's a step process, establishing credibility, building your following, leading with impact. And then once you get there, it becomes a cycle, a continuing cycle. So establishing your credibility starts out with just identifying what kind of DNA you have. If you have, I call it entrepreneurial DNA, but people get, people get nervous around the term entrepreneurial because they go, I'm, I'm not a person that can start a company in their garage. Well, that's not what I'm thinking about. Entrepreneur is such a wonderful word. It's from a French word that really caught, um, applies to anyone who builds an enterprise of any type. And we're all doing that. We're all, we're all, if you look at the word, if you get geeky about it and look at the word enterprise, we're all doing that. So we all have some sort of entrepreneurial DNA. I believe that's the creative juice that we have in us. And we all have it because we're all made in the image of God. And so he's a creator we are therefore creators as well. And that chapter um, determines whether you have natural DNA or whether you have developing DNA. Everybody starts at a different place, but I think everybody can grow it and it, it benefits everybody. And then you go from there to a foundation of leadership, which the foundation of leadership is your strength times your passion equals your level of fulfillment. It is impossible to be an effective leader unless you are fulfilled and you will not be fulfilled unless you're operating in your strength with your passions. And so that's the next step. And then from there, once you've determined those things, the next step you take is uh, you need to look yourself in the mirror. You need to know better than anyone else does who you are, what makes you tick. And then once you do that, I think it's a small step to determine what your overall governing value is. Everybody's got one. They just maybe haven't written it down or thought about it. And then once you've got a governing value, I think it's an equally small step to your why, which is to something so that something. And my why is to inspire and equip leaders who desire to develop the leader within so that they can become everything they were created to be. And that's, that's establishing credibility. I think if you do those, if you take those four steps and you take them seriously, you have a foundation for leadership that, that 80% of the people don't have. Yeah. 
100%. I think one of the, the, the amazing things that we got to do is in the foundation of leadership, talking about strengths multiplied by passion equals fulfillment. That was really cool because there are people that are maybe passionate about something but are not doing what their uniquely what yeah, their yeah. unique abilities are as dan sullivan is yeah. you know noted for saying and yeah. then there's people that are really great they love what they're doing and i would say there's a lot of people that i know in, in this category they they they're good at what they do but they're not passionate they're not in in an L, in an area that they're passionate in so what is the definition of fulfillment and why is that so important for someone to live a fulfilling life? Well, like I said, I've got a, um, it's an equation in my mind. It's your strengths times your passion equals your fulfillment. So your strengths are, what am I good at? What do I do naturally? What comes naturally to me? Okay. And I always think I always I love the example. I I love golf examples because I love golf. And Tiger Woods is is you know second to none as an iron player in golf. Maybe the best long iron, middle to long iron player that's ever played the game. That's a strength. He's also a phenomenal short game player and great putter. Not so strong with the driver. Okay. So he focuses all his time on his strengths. He, he doesn't worry about his weaknesses. Okay, so we need to think about what do we do well? What do we do naturally? What comes to us? And then you combine that with passion and how you determine what you're passionate about is I always say, what would you do for free? What, um, what do you do when you don't have to do it? And what are you doing, and this can go to strengths as well, but in the two sides, when you, when you feel like you're in the zone, answer this question. When I'm in the zone, I am doing what? And that will help you get to both your strengths and your passion. It's uh, one of the questions that we ask is if money was an issue at all, what would you be doing? And yeah. that really highlights, that's another question to highlight your passion. And I, I, I love, I love the Tiger Woods example because what uh, typical education would say is, Oh, Tiger, go to driving school. No, 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 no. And it's 80, 20, you spend 80% of your time or you spend 80% of your time. Um, you know, doing the stuff that you do best. Yeah. And, and the crazy thing about the 80-20 rule is 20% will, will produce 80 or more. That's right. Results. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And a great, um, the Strength Finders uh, test is an, um, an incredible tool that I, I recommend people check out. And it just, it just highlights the, what are you good at? Everybody on our team has taken it. And then instead of saying, oh, let's, let's work on what you're not good at. They don't even show you what you're not good at. They just yeah, no, focus on what you're good at. And I think, uh, I think there's so much, so much there. And so you got to es uh, excavate before you elevate, get really clear on what's important. You can understand a lot of, uh, Andy's principles have, have are in better wealth because it's, 
we we won't move forward if we don't have clarity on what's really important if we don't identify your ROR statement which is return on result which is again another way to say what, what you're saying so let's talk about building your following this this one this one for me is is definitely the most meaty there's most chapters um, associated to this um, talk talk to me about building your following and and how you would you know obviously we don't have we don't have five hours to go through what it would really take to go through all of this, but how would you explain that the second part of the second section of your book? Well, I would say, so there, there are three questions that everybody asks a leader. Mm -hmm. This is, if you ever listen to John Maxwell, he at some point, if you listen to him for an hour, he will mention this. There are three questions everyone asks a leader. Um, do you care about me? Can you help me? And can I trust you? And I wish I would have thought about that when I was writing this section of building your following, because every one of the chapters here relates to that and will answer those questions. Do you, do you care about me? Can you help me? And can I trust you? Because first of all, you're building relationships. It's all about relationships. And that's about just letting people know you love them and you care about them. And you're for them more than you're for you. And that's not just, if you're just playing that lip service, if you're just paying lip service to that, it will come out. It's, it's, that mask will fall off soon. But if you're not, if you really care about people, it's, it, it will go so far. Then it's understanding that leadership is about culture. It's about letting your EQ lead, your emotional intelligence. Thank you. Let it lead. I was, I was on a call with a very wise man yesterday, and he said, let your heart lead and your brain will catch up. But if you let your brain lead, your heart might never follow along. It was just a great comment. Um, be a motivator, teach what you know. You can't teach what you don't know. Yeah. Um, we've, We've seen, you know what, that's the part you, you listen to so many podcasts and you read so many books and you're like, these people have never experienced this. Yep. It's got to be annoying for you. It is for me hearing people talk about money. They go, clearly this person's never had wealth. Like I can tell people that don't are not rich giving money <laughs> advice. <laughs> and it's got to be frustrating and and i'll put myself under the bus here it's got to be frustrating to to listen to the 20 year olds give give uh financial leadership or or leadership advice because it's like okay you you uh you can you can highlight quotes and key and you can memorize maybe better than i can but it's it's got to be tough you know what it doesn't bother me anymore because i remember i was there too once yeah. and and you know, I'm not as smart as I used to be, Caleb. <laughs> so um, it's it's okay. Everybody comes along, but but uh, you know that's part of another chapter: leading with integrity and being real, yep. being who you are, 
leading yourself first, you know, praising in public, correcting in private. And, and then my favorite one, I think if I had a favorite chapter, it might be being willing to take the back back seat. I know that I know that you talk about stories um, in these chapters. When it comes to being real, leading with integrity, is there any story that's tied to that that principle that you'd like to share? Well, I think all of them. I mean, if I look at pro leadership, if I really honestly think about it, it came out of a yellow legal pad that I came in the kept in the top drawer of my desk for twenty five years, and every time I learned a lesson. I took out that legal pad and I wrote it down. And in order to be on the legal pad, I had to be able to write the lesson in one sentence of 12 words or less. And the funny thing is when I, when I finished Cornerstone, there were 37 lessons on that legal pad, 37 lines. And it was distilled down to 24 chapters in this book, but I didn't learn these because I was a great guy or I made good decisions. Most of those lessons were learned because I did things, didn't do things right. Yep. Mistakes I made. So um, that's being real, just admitting that, hey, you know, my publisher didn't think the book would sell if we titled it, you know, 24 Mistakes That Bad Leader Makes. <laughs> you know, it's, what's hilarious is I, it would be interesting to, to run a split test. Because I, I actually think there's a there's the market for for that. One of the things that I want to share because you are real with me is I, I, I don't remember what mistake that I made at the time, but I was just kind of like venting about a mistake that um, cost me over $25,000. And $25,000 is a lot of money, especially when you're trying to start a business. And, and it was it was it was, you know, it, it was I'm glad that I went through it and I learned a lot through it. And, and you, you said, all right, I like to call this my tuition fund and <laughs> without giving up too much information, it's on you. If you want to share your, your tuition funds a little bit larger than mine, I'll, I'll just put it that way. And when <laughs> you shared that with me, I'm like, okay, I'm going to shift my, my uh, way of thinking. It's like, I, I have spent more on my to quote unquote tuition fund, i.e. Caleb's mistakes than, than college ever cost me. And yeah, yet yeah. It, it's a very positive, uplifting way to think about life and, and about mistakes and to bounce back. And so that's, that's, a, that's a personal story that I have of our relationship of being yeah. real, leading with integrity. And, and that's something that I've definitely taken from you. Mm -hmm. um, when you talk about willing to take the backseat, do you have any personal story that, that illustrates <laughs> that? Um, because you say you're not going to choose a favorite chapter, but if you had to, this one would be up there. Well, I think it's just so important as a leader, knowing when you're going to take a back seat and you're going to let your other leaders lead and let them make the decisions. And um, it's, I'll tell, this isn't a personal story, but this is where one of the places where I learned it. I have a friend who is a, a um, he's retired now, but he was a pilot for Delta Airlines. And he was a, a very senior captain. And, and as you know, each leg of a flight, they, they take turns pilot in command. And he was a senior captain and he had a, a young 
uh, co-pilot who was on literally his first trip and it was his first leg to be pilot in command. And they're coming in with a full um, big airplane. They're coming in and a uh, horrible storm in Minneapolis. And this young pilot is going to land the plane and it was very difficult. And um, my friend said, this was the most um, stressful landing that I've ever been a part of in my 33 year career. And I said, did you ever want to take the yoke from him? And he said, I wanted to take the yoke from him the entire time. And I said, why didn't you? He said, because that would have ruined him as a pilot. And so I had to trust his training. I had to trust the procedures and pray our way down and help him and coach him. And he goes, we landed just fine. But he said, I could have, I could have really harmed him had I taken the yoke from him. And he said, it was my privilege to do it and my right to do it as a captain. But he said, I would have maybe ruined his career. And that was that lesson has stuck with me. Yeah. And do you have do you have your leaders that you have? Are you letting them make decisions? Yeah. I'm coaching. I'm coaching someone right now who is um, a recovering micromanager. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's the. Uh, I think it's the genesis of a lot of the struggles that they're having. Yeah. Yeah. Two, two things that I, I was going to say micromanagement. And the other thing is, I think this is a good chapter for parents. Is oh, yeah. yeah absolutely. Giving, giving up the, 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 the control to seeing your kids grow up can be incredibly difficult. Uh, yeah. I, I'm grateful for the parenting that I had because it was amazing. And it also was like, um, it, it, it was I, one of the best things that happened is my parents weren't involved in business. Yeah. And, and that for me was, was a really healthy balance. And so thank you. Thank you for sharing that. That was an, that was a powerful story. And I think for, for those of us who lead companies or, or are responsible for things, we can relate because mm -hmm. I wouldn't necessarily call myself a micromanager, but there's areas in business that I'm incredibly micromanaging. And how in the world am I, if I ask people to lead, but I'm not letting them take responsibility, I'm not, I'm not being a leader. And as a result, it's not just affecting me, but it's affecting their future growth and the profitability of the company and how we impact and serve other people. And so thank you for sharing that. Well, and let me encourage you on your comment. I think um, your struggle is very common to the founding entrepreneur. You know, and that's something you're probably going to have to wrestle with that for your entire career. So, so uh, don't beat yourself up about it. Just be aware of it. Awareness takes care of 85% of the problem. Right. Let's talk about leading with impact. And yeah. this is the, the final part of the book. And I actually misspoke. There's more chapters in this, this section. It like grows. It's like section one is like, you don't want to scare anybody away, even though you're you're attacking their heart and the foundation of why they exist. And then and then building your following is is incredible. But then leading with impact, um, I know you well, and I I know that this section is something that you live every single day. You definitely communicate it very well. 
So why don't we walk through that? And is, is there any other, is there some personal stories that you've lived through or, or that have come up in writing this section that you want to also share as, as you go give me the overview of leading? Well, it starts, it starts with, and I misspoke, it starts with the uh, leave room for Providence. I had this in the, uh, other, uh, this chapter 14. And then, um, that's really my personal story and how I got to where I, how I became who I am and um, just the understanding of, of every leader needs to understand what they control and what they don't. And we control a whole lot less than we think we do. That's right. And if we can check that box and get that, we will, we will, we'll just save ourselves from aging in dog years. Yeah. Um, I, I aged in dog years because I didn't understand that. So, and then the downside of consensus, when you come into leadership and one of the hot buttons today and the things everybody wants is for leaders to um, have consensus and have everybody going along. And it's just not possible to get everybody moving in the same direction before you make a decision. So it's just, getting an idea, getting a good working relationship with consensus in your team. And then communication to the third power, like I've already said, um, you gotta communicate, communicate, communicate. And that communication needs to go all the way down in the organization. And, and your strategies and your tactics will fail 95% of the time, in my opinion at the point where your commute communication breaks down. So if something doesn't work, I'm guessing that you can go back and go, I didn't communicate this well. And that's a hard, that, uh, that was learned from hard lessons. And then decision-making at the speed of business. Um, we, we have, got to move our, our society our culture is moving so fast today um, i remember when we used to make 20-year plans hmm. then we made 10-year plans yeah now people are laugh people were laughing people laughed at 20-year plans now then people laughed at 10-year plans now they're laughing at five-year plans yeah and um then leaving yourself options just just don't paint yourself into a corner understanding who you are and don't forget about margin you know don't uh, i had a a mentor who worked at a big agribusiness uh company was a senior guy there and he said to me he said you never never want to plant your fields all the way to the end yeah and he said we always knew we always knew that when when the farmers were planting all their fields all the way to the ends and when they're planting in between the highways, um, you know, that was the top in the market. You know, so you think about that and then diversification and for these are tactics. Yeah. These are a lot of tactics and just miscellaneous uh, things. I love the 45 minute meeting. Um, you know, and then of course we end with when what's important now is the 45 minute meeting is no meeting has to be longer than 45 minutes. Yeah. 85% of what you are going to accomplish, you'll accomplish in 45 minutes. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I was thinking, I was thinking in terms of 45 minute meetings, 90 minutes max. So you have a break in between yeah. and then go on and do something else. And, and what you taught me with margin is, and people can probably relate to this. I can sure relate to this as you have, you wake up in the morning and you are going to conquer the world. And you, sometimes we're just not realistic with our calendar. And so, so I've just learned to build in buffer time. For yeah. instance, we're, we're interviewing right now. And I have quite a few, but I buffer. Yeah. So I'm not worried about ending right on time and I'm able to be more present with you. Um, yeah. And that's, that's another example that I've learned. It's, it's interesting because um, now that I'm engaged and in the process of, you know, looking to get married, everybody that gives me marriage advice says yeah. the, the C word communication. And I'm like, don't tell me communication unless you break down or define what that actually means. <laughs> so how, what does, what do you mean by communication, Andy? And how can be someone be a better communicator? And this is really your book too, because everybody says communication. And yet, just like everybody's writing leadership books, I don't know if a lot of people know actually what, how to actually communicate well. I think you, um, goes back to caring about people and relationships, communicating well is listening listening and caring and saying it's answering it's answering the questions so okay so i said to you in in um building your following you're answering the three questions everyone every one asks okay in leading with impact you are you are demonstrating by your actions that you care about people yeah. and that you, that they really matter to you. And that's, and so communication is listening. I mean, I think the best communication tool that I learned was management by walking around. We had two offices and I would walk around every morning, whenever, whatever office I was at with a, my Starbucks coffee, I'd walk around and greet everyone in the office. And if you do that over time, you start to remember, oh, you said you're, you were going to your daughter's piano recital. How was that? How'd she do? What did she play? And you start to communicate and that it opens the channels of communication. You ask questions, you listen, you care about people. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because you, this book is for, it's not a, it's not a faith driven book, meaning like you can, it's for everybody. Right. Yeah. And yet it's a lot of Christian values are in here and it's, and it, it goes back to one of the things that you care deeply about. And that is an area like communication. There's not a tactic. It's like you can have the right tactic, but if you don't love people, yeah, you don't. If you're not genuinely interested in them, yeah, yeah, you can, you can, you can read all the books that you want, but yeah. and but at, there will get to a point where you're you're just going to be talking, or yeah. or you're not really going to have the impact and the fulfillment that that you're hoping to have. Andy, is there anything else that you want to cover? In, in just this time, I mean, obviously the goal of having you on is number one is to, to honor you as a person. Mm. I, I want, I want to see my audience support you and getting, getting the book, leaving a review and, and sharing, sharing with others. Um, 
is there anything else that you want to share just with where you're at? Um, and then if you can, if you can end with like how people can, you know, reach out or, or get this book again and how they can follow you and your journey, uh, that would be incredible. Well, I just, um, I just want to leave you with my governing value because I, I feel so strongly about it that, that um, wise, caring, balanced servant leaders are good leaders and good leaders produce good results. And if people would just focus on that, they'll be, they'll be miles ahead. And we do need, we do need leadership today. We need wise, caring leaders and it's available for everybody. Everyone can grow their leadership. And that's what I'm about. So leadership is not a position and and actually understand that everyone can be a leader and it's not a scarcity model where it's like, if you're a leader, that means there's one less position for me. It's like leadership helps other people um, grow. And is a multiplier. I love it. I love it. Um, so Andy, I, I end all the, all the podcast with this. I may, you may have stole your own thunder, but I want to hear it a different way. If this was your last day on earth and you were with the people that you love the most, your family yeah, and you couldn't give them anything, including you couldn't even give them your book. Yeah. You could only have one last conversation with them. What would that conversation consist of? Well, I mean, if it, it, for me, it would have to be faith. And where are you going? Where do you think, if this is my last day on earth, where am I going to be tomorrow? And if it was your last day, where are you going to be tomorrow? And how do you know? And we would, we would have that conversation. Andy, thank you. At the end of the, at the end of the day, you know, there are two things that are eternal people in the word of God. We're all going to live forever. It's just a question of where we are. So um, that would be, that'd be the discussion. It wouldn't be about business. Wouldn't care about that. So thank you, Caleb. Yep. Andy, thank you. How can people get the book? How can people follow what you're doing and stay connected with your tribe? Um. You can get the book, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, wherever books are sold, Target, just Google it. Um, you can come to Andrew Wyatt Leadership and, and my website. You can sign up for my weekly Pro Leadership Perspective. Uh, begin following me on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, wherever. I love it, man. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for who you are. And I'm excited. I'm excited to see, see people start applying what you've written about. And, and it's only a matter of time that you'll be on the, on the biggest stages sharing your, your failures <laughs> and, <laughs> and helping people understand that. And so thank you, for, thank you for living that out. Thank you for being a guest. Thanks, Caleb. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could hit subscribe, leave a review, and share this with the people that you know and love.